You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. Before we get into our guests today, I just want to go over a few things. Once again, if you'd like to be on the show, send us an email at millionairesunveiled at gmail.com. Also on our website, millionairesunveiled.com, you can find various resources about the show, more show notes. And also we've got some millionaires that were willing to do interviews with us but did not want to be on the podcast. And we've posted some of those on the website as well. Today on the show, we've got Marco and his wife. Marco is out of New Zealand and he inherited a good chunk of his wealth. And you haven't had a guest on like that on the show before. So it'll be interesting to, to dive into some details with him. Currently, he's got this million-dollar portfolio uh, allocated about 950 to a house and a little bit of cash in the bank and then a small amount um, invested. So we kind of get into a little bit of that, why so much in the house and Kind of get into the uh, backstory how he inherited uh, over a million dollars, current net worth sitting at one point one million dollars. And without further ado, let's get into the show. Awesome! Today we've got Marco and his wife with us, and we're going to kind of get in a little nitty gritty with Marco. He's out of uh, New Zealand, so Marco, do you want to just kind of give us a, a little background of of who you are and where you came from, and kind of what you're up to now? Well, um. Um, my wife and I are both 29. We're both born and raised in New Zealand. And um, at the moment, I'm unemployed because for the sole reason that I can be. And my <laughs> wife is a, do you want to say what you do, Sweets? Um, I'm doing a Master's of Computer Science and I'm majoring in cybersecurity. Yeah. So that's, that's, yeah, that's who we are, where we are right now. And you've always lived there in New Zealand? We have, yes. Good stuff. And so what did you do for work uh, before <coughs> you stopped working? Oh, I did a, I did a lot of things. Um, uh, when I was 16, I dropped out of high school because it just wasn't doing anything for me anymore. And I went straight into full-time employment. I did retail, food service, um, you know, basically the typical right out of high school entry-level jobs. Um, I did... A carpentry apprenticeship for a couple of years but I wasn't re- I ultimately I wasn't really interested in that career anymore and um, I did that for yeah a couple of years and then my uh, my father passed away and that's what that's pretty much where my fortune where my fortune came from um, my sister and I split the estate and yeah okay well sorry to hear sorry to hear that first of all thank you thank you so, but back to that point, I mean, it was, it was great that your, your father had prepared for that and kind of left that with y'all and, and entrusted you that way too. That's kind of cool. Yeah, totally. He, he was a, he was a carpenter as well. That's, he, he was actually the one I was doing my apprenticeship under and, um, yeah, he was a carpenter for about 30, 30 years or so. And he, ne- he, he was never short of work for it. That's still a. Like that's that's always been an industry that's always been in huge demand. So he, yeah, he was really passionate about that. 
Cool. What did you What did you kind of learn from him about managing money and and accumulating wealth? The uh, the biggest thing that I learned from him about managing money was being sensible with it. In that you know you don't have to spend every dollar you have on uh, luxuries or things or whatever. Like it's basically living below one's means. Like you don't have yeah. Like if you have money left over. Um, at the end of a paycheck, you don't have to spend it. Like you're not obligated to spend it, and um, it's okay to just put it away and not do anything with it. And well, he did put it into the house, well, so that that is an investment over time. Well, yeah, that is because after he passed away, there was no cash left, and so my sister and I uh, basically sold the family farm, as it were. So let me let me ask about that. How much uh, how much did you get from the sale of the farm? Um, the, the house and land sold for one point six million New Zealand dollars, which is I don't know how much that would be in. He's running a calculation for us here, and then you guys so divided a, it fifty fifty. Yes, we did. We split it right down the middle. Um, there wasn't any drama over the will or whatever. My sister, my sister and I had. Because it was just me and my sister, those were my parents' only children, and, well, there was more drama about it from my father's ex-girlfriend, but that's a, that's a whole other story. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, so that's about 1.1 million US dollars in 2011 money, so, yeah. And then what did you do with, with all that right off? I'm assuming you invested some of that and then maybe bought a house. What did you kind of do with all that? Well, after it appeared in my bank account, my bank got very, very excited, and because my my at the at the end, what I ended up with was about seven hundred and twenty thousand dollars, and my bank got very excited and called me a couple of days later, saying, wondering where this money had come from, and <laughs> I, I they called me they invited me to go and have a meeting with the bank's investment advisor, and so I went in and had a talk had a meeting with them. And he gave me the rundown of what my uh, options were for uh, how to make this money best work for me. And by that time, like before I got the money in, I'd already committed to buying this house because my mother wanted me out, basically, because fair enough. And <laughs> and so um, I spent 440 on this house and the, and the rest went into long-term savings long-term investment rather and what are what is that kind of long-term investment vehicle that you chose he, he gave me the sorry the bank's in, ad, investment advisor gave me a lot of options between low risk and reward to high risk and reward and i ended up choosing about the middle ground okay and why did you choose because, that because like I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to put it on very high risk because I didn't really understand the um, the the businesses and sort of investments that they would make, and I wouldn't, I didn't really have an understanding of how they would pan out and how poorly they could go, how they could go up or down. So I just chose um, diversified stocks, really, in around in around several hundred or. About a thousand, I think, businesses that are, you know, businesses that are too big to fail, like Los Angeles Airport, mm -hmm. Google, Microsoft, etc. 
cool. and that could change in the future once I've got an income and we're not relying on um, your investments anymore. Yes. And how much do you expect to uh, to make once you start your job? Um, I I'm um, I have modest expectations to begin with. I know that cybersecurity is a very high demand area at the moment, so it's the perfect industry to go into. Um, I'm expecting, say five years from now, I'm expecting at least $70,000 a year, and that would be the low end. Good okay. stuff. So now you've got this portfolio working for you. What's kind of the, what's kind of the goal or the plan to, to continue to grow that and, and you know, kind of increase the value? Well, I've I've got a I don't have very high ambitions for, you know, um, being the next, be, being like a being like a high end Wall Street banker or whatever. I don't really intend to turn that into multiple multiple millions because too much stress for my taste. Um, <laughs> basically, what it is, it's a it's kind of waiting and seeing at the moment. It's like where it is is it's safe and it's secure. And it'll, it'll mature in about, I think, seven years from now. And I, at that point, um, I'll decide where to go from there. Well, remember, there's a, the um, the really unexpected um, increase in investment value was actually the house. Yes, because um, not long after I uh, purchased my house, there there was a housing crisis in New Zealand where there's where there was not nearly enough housing to accommodate the people here which is still ongoing and it almost and it's more than doubled my house price wow so i bought it for 440 and the market value was about 490 and now it's worth about 950 wow. so have you ever thought of taking any of that money that you've got invested in these stocks and and, and parlaying it into real estate there because you've kind of seen the appreciation in your house at all or has that not really even crossed your mind? Um, that did cross my mind, but um, as as far as the appreciation of property goes, um, all signs seem to s indicate that it's hit a peak at this point. Yeah, it's, okay. it's probably only going to go down from here. It's probably yeah, it's probably only going to go down. If I'd known that this housing crisis was going to happen, I would have put all of my money into property, and then I really would have you know made a hell of a lot over it but it sort of it you would have been really the multimillionaire you would have been the multimillionaire you didn't want to be oh yes and um <laughs> hindsight's 2020 yeah, exactly. yeah and and if we and if, even more so if we'd if we'd held off on selling my father's estate then we could have we could have sold it for three maybe four million because it's it's just outside of the city it's on uh it's on. It's on rural land, but it's not going to all be all that development potential. <laughs> yeah, all that development potential is coming for it very, very soon. So we could have, if we'd held off on selling it, we could have made a hell of a lot more off it. But as it stood, we couldn't afford to keep it because the upkeep on it was so, so much. We couldn't afford to hold on to it. Yeah. So how how old were you when your father passed? Uh, 2011, six years ago, I was 23, I think. Okay, so you, so you're 23, and I'm, all of a sudden yeah. you're left with how much did you have? Would you say in savings or in the bank at at that point? Well, I didn't get it when I was 23. I got it when I was 25 because um, 
aforementioned lawsuit with my dad's ex-girlfriend. Um, so I'm 25 and I, and I took home, I think 720,000. And before that, how much did you have in the bank before that 720 hit? Oh, um, pay, living paycheck to paycheck. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Cause it was my, cause my mother and I, cause I still lived in my mother's house and I was helping pay the upkeep on that as well. But her and I were both very much like we'd have no money left over at the end of the month. And we were, we were living, we, we was, we were scraping by and living paycheck to paycheck. And that was about our situation from when I was 16 because my parents split up when I was 16 and me, my sister and my mother moved out. And all of a sudden we didn't have dad's money to support us. And so we were left with, like he bought he bought my mother a house, but that's about it. And even so, she still had to pay half of that for as a home loan. And so we had a mortgage and bills. And all of a sudden, my sister and I, who had grown up spoilt, had to go out and get jobs and contribute to the um, to our living situation, which was hard for a while because living paycheck to paycheck, of course, it is. Yeah, it's very admirable, Marco, that you know a lot of people might get a windfall like that and will blow through it in less than five years. And you've you've managed to grow it and increase it, and, and you know that's I think that's a great tribute to your father that you know even though he passed and that's a tough situation that that you're able to kind of grow his legacy, if you will. Yeah. Most of my extended family were um, a little bit nervous about my sister and I getting this windfall because they thought exactly that we'd just blow through it because. Um, you know, yeah, we grew up, we, we grew up spoiled, but this, um, experience with just the three of us living on our own with no support was, um, quite a wake up call for the two of us and sort of thrust us, thrust us very, quite violently into the real world where we, um, yeah, we got some real perspective. So I've lived rich and I've lived poor and it's given me a great deal of perspective for both sides and a great deal of empathy for those who are still living paycheck to paycheck you know yeah how has your has your sister been able to do as well as you have she was a little she was a little bit more frivolous frivolous with uh hers she um had a had she had a forty thousand dollar wedding and she and her husband went on expensive vacations across the United States and luxury cruises and such, but they finally settled down and bought a, a, a decent plot of land out in the country. Not a, not a farm, just a house and a, maybe an acre. And they, um, they bought a relatively rundown house that they've done up a little bit. And so they've sort of done the same thing I have where they found a low value house and spruced it up a bit. So they're doing very well at this point. So you're living paycheck to paycheck for about, what, eight years or so until you're 23 and your father passes away. And then all of a sudden you get $720,000. Yeah. Isn't, I mean, how did you know where to start? Did you with limited investing experience? Well, dad got sick in about, in 2010, about, um, because he passed away from uh, cancer, and he got diagnosed about a year prior. And so 
we'd seen me and my sister had sort of seen this coming from quite a while so we had a lot of we had quite a lot of time to plan and after he passed away there was another two years of this aforementioned lawsuit so we still had like we were both i'm sure i was excited at first like i had a list of of cars i was going to buy vacations <laughs> i was going to take etc like my initial instinctual response was to go extreme to the poor decisions of blowing through it. But over time, I sort of calmed down and really thought about what I was going to do with this money, how I was going to grow it instead of wasting it. Do you think that time with the lawsuit and stuff, even though it's probably stressful, do you think that time kind of helped you kind of come to that conclusion? Hey, I've got to buy myself some time and what should I really do with this and kind of calm down for maybe some of those other purchases you wanted to make? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I imagine that if my sister and I had gotten the money right away, like if he had just say $2 million of cash instead of the estate um, or 1.6 rather, um, we would have, I imagine that we both would have, made some very bad decisions with it like at the time i was trying <laughs> i was trying to impress a particular girl and she was really into um she was really into expensive muscle cars so i thought i'll i'll, I'll spend thirty thousand dollars <laughs> on a on a on a mustang to impress this girl but <laughs> thank thankfully she lost interest before i could do that so <laughs> so how often now do you meet with your financial advisor not very often because um, after our first couple of meetings, when we ultimately decided what to do with the money, it was sort of it was put into a ten-year investment trust where it would just sit and do its own thing for ten years, and, um, and yet the interest earned from that over time would go back into it. So it would so it would constantly, you know, the dividends from the interest would pay back into that account. Gotcha. Yeah. And do you check and up was on that, that account frequently, or is it just kind of like, hey, I'll check it once a year? Um, it's 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 on the, my list of um, like when I access my online bank account, it's there as well, so I can I can glance at it whenever I want, and it's growing nicely. Okay. Yeah. And is that your idea to put it in the in the uh, trust, or how did you decide to do that? Uh, well, after the lawsuit, uh, my sister and I were very strongly advised to put our funds into trusts to make it more difficult for um, other people with less honorable intentions to access. Like right. it's, 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 it's mostly the reason why my wife and I didn't decided not to do a prenuptial agreement. Because even if she wanted to, she wouldn't have a claim on it anyway, because it's not strictly in my name. It's in another entity. So we did we did consider a prenup. I think it was mostly my idea. I don't want to be seen as a gold digger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how how have you guys worked together on this? Have you have, have you both been very involved or you just kind of put it in and let it sit and say, hey, whatever happens in 10 years, you know, we'll just sit on it. Yeah, we've basically just... Um, yeah, we're basically just sitting on it. Yeah, and I, I'm interested in going to all of the meetings with the investment advisor because I like to know how these things work. But um, I don't I don't think I have that too much of a decision. I don't make too much of the decisions. You're, you're going to end up earning a hell of a lot more money <laughs> than me, so. 
So you've got this massive windfall. You've bought this house. It's paid for. You've got these investments working for you. Your wife's going to finish up her degree and go into cybersecurity. Where do you go from here? What's the, I mean, you're super young. What's kind of the plan? Um, I'll, I, I, I'll basically just, I basically will just follow my wife around really. Like wherever her, wherever her career takes her, takes her, be it, um, Sydney or Singapore or San Francisco where all the big tech hubs are, you know, Mm -hmm. wherever she, wherever she goes, I'll basically be able to follow. Cool. And what do you yeah. plan on doing, kind of doing with with your time and with the money? Um, with the money, I just sort of, you know, like I said, I just let it sit there. But um, and I, I'll I'll revisit it in ten years and see what our situation is. See if there are any more opportunities, or you know, if I know that a certain uh, industry is worth investing in. Like as I said, if I'd known more about the property market, I could have um, made a killing. <laughs> but you know but you're also doing more community theater and yeah hobby. i'm yeah i'm volunteering at a community theater as well to sort of as as a hobby okay cool um, um as as a backstage crew which i didn't think i would enjoy but i really really do so my my plan with that is to keep doing that and so when uh, actual paying work comes up then i can i have experience for that Cool. So you've kind of been able yeah, to, with this money, has kind of allowed you to, to do some of these things that maybe you wouldn't have done otherwise and also been able to volunteer and, and do some other things that way. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because um, uh, when my mother and sister and I were living paycheck to paycheck, we didn't have time to do anything except basically work and run the household. And um, eventually my sister managed to go to college and she, she she got her um a degree in accounting law which she hasn't done anything with yet because um she hasn't really because in because she just worked different jobs until she got her degree and then she got married and then she had three children so she's um yeah she's she's very much a wife and mother at this point but again she can be because you know she's self-supporting as well, but um, yeah, she lives with her husband. I don't want to imply that they're broken up or anything. So <laughs> yeah, they've got they've they've got a really good situation going as well. So what's your uh, what's your current net worth? A little bit over a million, I think, maybe close to one point two, or overall. So you put three hundred in these investments, and that was three years ago. Is that correct, or four years ago? Yes. And what is that at now? Um, I th- honestly, honestly, not not that much because um, so there's so really I've got two investment accounts. There's the long, there's the ten year long term one which has one fifty in it. And the rest is in a savings account that I occasionally draw from when I need to spend. Huh. Actually, I think I have the I think I have that number wrong. Um, nine fifty. I think it, yeah, I think it's more like one point one. Okay. Because the house is the house is worth nine fifty, and there's a hundred and fifty. In the investments and savings, yeah, that's yeah, that's about one point one. 
Okay, fair enough. Hey, million, millionaire is a millionaire. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I do appreciate that I'm only just over the threshold, but there, there it goes. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever think of selling the house and saying, well, hey, I can get out on the top? I could, but the thing about that is that um, housing values have increased have increased nationwide. So it's it's not so much that I could sell here and move to somewhere cheaper because there just isn't somewhere cheaper. Okay. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise I would. I definitely would. And are you a uh... Are you aware of what kind of what kind of fees does the uh, financial advisor at the bank charge? Do you know? Nothing. Nothing. They take part of the part of the. They take a they take a slice of the pie, like the interest that comes back. I think they take a very small percentage of that. Um, I think it's, I think it's five percent, but the investor himself doesn't. Like he he gets he gets a bonus from the bank when he does very well, but he doesn't get a percentage of what I get. So it's yeah, so it's 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 I've I've got a good system going. I think it's I'm very I'm very lucky to have a bank that um has very low fees regarding investments and such. Good stuff. What would be your advice to somebody, you know, that's, that might inherit some money or you might get a big windfall? What would your advice to them be? Don't touch it initially. My advice would be go to go to a lawyer and then go to an investment advisor, preferably one at a bank or credit union, and get as much advice as possible before making any decisions. I would say, like, if there's something, like, immediate expenses, like, um, if you've got loans, pay them off, clear some clear some debts, maybe take a vacation if you feel like it kind of thing. But for the, for the bulk of it, just sit on it until you have as much information as possible to make the most informed decision you possibly can. And that's, that, that's the same advice I would give to anyone who gets an inheritance or a lottery win or some other kind of big windfall is just take your time about making a decision about it. Yes. Oh, and if if someone if you get an investment opportunity that sounds too good to be true, it probably is. That's great advice. Yeah, because I got I did get contacted by a lot of people who said if you invest in this, you'll get a twelve or fifteen percent return, and I thought. That's either incredibly high risk or just made up because, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how many friends you you get overnight when somebody knows you've got a lot of money, right? Yeah, it's 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 interesting the amount of <laughs> the amount of friends that came out of the woodwork suddenly saying that you know they've got this issue or that issue or you know this payment i have to make or can you loan me some pretty pretty much all the money i've loaned out is gone like i'll never see it again and so i learned very quickly don't loan money to friends because that's a good way to lose money and friends yeah <laughs> and also so what are your I, um, so, sorry the friends i lost as well because all of a sudden you know 
I'm, I'm, I'm suddenly going from paycheck to paycheck to this huge windfall and I don't actually have to work anymore. And a lot of people got quite... I think it's just envy, really. Like they get, like they got very bitter and envious about it. And um, oh my goodness, my aunt especially, <laughs> because at first, when my father first got sick, he made this lunatic decision that he was going to leave his his estate to his three sisters instead of his two children. And his lawyer pretty much told him, "Don't do that, because your children will contest the will, and they will win. And the only thing that'll happen is everyone will spend money on legal fees for no reason." And so, mm. when that decision was changed, my aunt got very bitter and spiteful, and she's never grown out of that um, immature attitude. So, what's your plan going forward? So, you're sitting at 150 in investments. 150 in checkings, the majority in your house, and your wife's going to start working here shortly. And so, you know, so what, 300 won't last, you know, for 70 more years or so. No, so is your plan no. to just kind of keep going steady or what goals do you um, have for the future? Our plan is to keep going, to keep my investments going steady. And um, eventually um, my wife will have enough income that we'll be able to buy a house together. And we'll, yeah, I, I would kind of like to own at least 50% of the house myself one day. Yeah, the next house we move into, we'll buy together and we'll um, own half of it each. And then I'll be able to take I'll be able to take maybe half a million dollars from selling this house and add that to the investment pile and then it'll keep growing. Do you plan to get a loan on that next house? My wife does, yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I'd like a loan. I, we'll... we'll look at like different options maybe i'll just borrow from a trust and write up a legal document. yeah it, it's it's more likely that she'll loan the money to to pay for her share of the house from me instead of the bank and that way we don't get you know screwed on extortionate interest rates gotcha what are the interest rates there hmm. do you know i don't know i know that the return on my investments at the moment is 3.8 percent and I think um, home loan rates are about the same. My wife's just looking it up now. Yeah. But that's only the first year, and it grows 4.39, 4.69, and 4.8 over time up to... Oh, look, the worst is 6.3. The worst is 6.3%. Okay. So put under perspective, Jace, that's much higher than, than if you were to buy here in the U.S. right now. Correct. What would the interest loans... What would the interest rates over there be? They're around 4% right now on a 30-year fixed. You might be able to find a, you know, something in the low threes for a 15-year fixed. And then if you did it at an adjustable rate, you'd probably find something in the mid threes. Ooh, that's interesting. I think the highest my mother was paying on her home loan was 7%. That's wow. Yeah. yeah, back in the 90s. They've been trying to... They've been trying to fix the market, though, for with the the housing crisis. So yeah, that's another thing that's contributing to the housing crisis is that the deposit on a house is enormous as well. Like it's because as housing prices explode, so do deposits and interest rates. So a lot of young people are just simply priced out of owning their own home. Yep. Yep. That's similar to uh, some of the more expensive markets here in the U.S. So any last 
Any last advice or investment or savings advice for any of our listeners? Live as far below your means as is comfortable. And just reiterating, you don't have to spend your entire paycheck if you've got some left over. It's 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 okay and I think smart to put to put to put it away because you never know when unexpected costs might well, might come up and um yeah live below your means get as much information as possible before investing don't trust golden opportunities and um well know. i i would say budget because we have all that money in savings and i'm still running a budget every week yeah careful good for careful, you guys slow and steady budgeting. yeah yeah slow and steady careful um, trying to get all the information we possibly can before spending or investing and yeah like and investments isn't just uh, 10 20 50 years it's day to day as well good right. stuff all right you heard it millionaire from all the way from New Zealand live below your means all right thank you Marco we appreciate it Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.